Translation, prefaced with a study of the Archimboldian oeuvre as his thesis, and, why not, as the foundation of his future dissertation. He completed the final draft of the translation in 1984, and a Paris publishing house, after some inconclusive and contradictory readings, accepted it and published Archimboldi. Though the novel seemed destined from the start not to sell more than a thousand copies, the first printing of three thousand was exhausted after a couple of contradictory, positive, even effusive reviews, opening the door for a second, third, and fourth printings. By then Peltier had read fifteen books by the German writer, translated two others, and was regarded almost universally as the preeminent authority on Benno von Archimboldi across the length and breadth of France. Then Peltier could think back on the day when he first read Archimboldi, and he saw himself, young and poor, living in a chambre de bain, sharing the sink where he washed his face and brushed his teeth with fifteen other people who lived in the same dark garret, shitting in a horrible and notably unhygienic bathroom that was more like a latrine or cesspit, also shared with the fifteen residents of the garret, some of whom had already returned to the provinces, their respective university degrees in hand, or had moved to slightly more comfortable places in Paris itself, or were still there, just a few of them, vegetating or slowly dying of revulsion. He saw himself, as we've said, ascetic and hunched over his German dictionaries in the weak light of a single bulb, thin and dogged, as if he were pure will made flesh, bone and muscle without an ounce of fat, fanatical and bent on success. A rather ordinary picture of a student in the capital, but it worked on him like a drug, a drug that brought him to tears, a drug that, as one sentimental Dutch poet of the nineteenth century had it, opened the floodgates of emotion, as well as the floodgates of something that, at first blush, resembled self-pity, but wasn't. What was it then? Rage? Very likely, and made him turn over and over in his mind, not in words, but in painful images, the period of his youthful apprenticeship, and after a perhaps pointless long night, he was forced to two conclusions. First, that his life as he had lived it so far was over. Second, that a brilliant career was opening up before him, and that to maintain its glow he had to persist in his determination in sole testament to that garret. This seemed easy enough. Jean-Claude Peltier was born in 1961, and by 1986 he was already a professor of German in Paris. Piero Marini was born in 1956, in a town near Naples, and although he read Benno von Archimboldi for the first time in 1976, or four years before Peltier, it wasn't until 1988 that he translated his first novel by the German author, Bifurcaria Bifurcata, which came and went almost unnoticed in Italian bookstores. Archimboldi's situation in Italy, it must be said, was very different from his situation in France. For one thing, Morini wasn't his first translator. As it happened, the first novel by Archimboldi to fall into Morini's hands was a translation of The Leather Mask done by someone called Colosimo for Einaudi in 1969. In Italy, The Leather Mask was followed by Rivers of Europe in 1971, Inheritance in 1973, and Railroad Perfection in 1975. Earlier, in 1964, a publishing house in Rome had put out a collection of mostly war stories titled The Berlin Underworld. 
So it could be said that Archimboldi wasn't a complete unknown in Italy, although one could hardly claim that he was successful, or somewhat successful, or even barely successful. In point of fact, he was an utter failure, an author whose books languished on the dustiest shelves in the stores, or were remaindered or forgotten in publishers' warehouses before being pulped. Morini, of course, was undaunted by the scant interest that Archimboldi's work aroused in the Italian public, and after he translated Bifurcaria Bifurcata, he wrote two studies of Archimboldi for journals in Milan and Palermo, one on the role of fate in railroad perfection, and the other on the various guises of conscience and guilt in La Thea, on the surface, an erotic novel, and in Pizius, a novel less than one hundred pages long, similar in some ways to Mitzi's Treasure, the book that Peltier had found in an old Munich bookstore, and that told the story of the life of Albert.